the reality is it's God is both making us whole individually. He's making the church whole corporately, and he's ultimately making creation whole. And he's going to redeem all of creation. We miss out on that reality and, and how that reality sustains us through trials and sufferings and persecution if the goal of life is comfort and ease and happy circumstances. You're listening to The Chopping Block, a weekly podcast from City Life Church where we have short, informal conversations about the Bible and the meaning it has for our lives. If you didn't get the chance to catch last week's sermon, I'd recommend going back and giving it a listen so that you can pick up with us where the sermon left off. Welcome back to The Chopping Block. That was a good welcome. Well done. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Has anyone ever told you that you have a radio voice? No. Never been told that. Has anyone ever told you that you have a radio face? Yes. <laughs> How dare <laughs> me you? Me too. Me too. I'm offended by that. Well, friends, I'm back. I was out this last weekend. It was good to get away with family for a couple of days. Brett, you did a fantastic job filling the pulpit. I heard it was a wonderful Sunday. It was a good Sunday. My wife had great things to say. Um, excited to be in the chopping block this morning. We're continuing our journey through the gospel of Matthew. Yeah. And we camped out the last two weeks on the Beatitudes. Um, so two weeks ago we looked at really the first, uh, set of the Beatitudes, kind of the first four. Right. Um, we discussed some couple weeks ago about how you could really break this up into three sets of three or two sets of four plus one right. which you said was 10 i know i'm sorry <laughs> i went to arkansas it's either I'm, eight, I'm from arkansas it's either eight or nine it's either eight or nine beatitudes depending on how you try to put them together we've broke it up um essentially as the way into the kingdom kind of looking at um how this the, the first beatitudes uh, lead us to this place of of recognition that we don't have a righteousness of our own. Right. Uh, that we need the righteousness of God, not only imputed to us, but you said this in your sermon, the way that Matthew is using uh, this language of righteousness, the way that Jesus seems to be using it in his teaching is this whole life transformation. Right. Uh, this life conformed to God and his ways. Um we need God to do that in us. We don't have that naturally. Yeah. Uh, so it's work of the Holy Spirit. And so this past Sunday, you dealt with the second half of the Beatitudes, this way of the kingdom, where the Holy Spirit is producing the fruit of mercy and purity right. and peacemaking, and ultimately even leading us into a life of embracing suffering Yeah, uh, with Jesus. He suffered, and so we suffer with him. Uh, so it's it's the way of suffering with Jesus. You're right over there, man. I can't get this to clear my throat. Keep going. We're gonna mm. we're gonna make it. That's why you should drink your coffee without milk. Right. That's true. <laughs> Just messing. But this way of the kingdom is this way of suffering with Jesus, and, and ultimately, you know, one of the things that you brought out was that this is how God is doing His refining work in us. Right. Um, He's conforming us to the image of Christ as we endure various trials. And so that's sort of the upside-down nature of, of the kingdom, which is something we keep coming back to, um, is that 
you know, on the surface, it doesn't feel like blessing. It doesn't feel like flourishing. Right. To endure persecution. And yet, what Jesus is saying is this is actually the pathway into the blessed life. Yeah. The good life is a life that actually includes persecution and various trials. Yeah, and real practically, you know, you said week one that that the Beatitudes are a description of the life of Jesus. And what did Jesus experience in this world? He experienced suffering, ultimately death, for living this life that he's calling us and inviting us into. And he literally says to his disciples before he gets ready to go to the cross, you know, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Like, you will. I mean, Jesus keeps telling the disciples this, right? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You know, for the Son of Man must suffer many things. Paul talks about us sharing in the sufferings of Christ often. Why do we have such a hard time with that? I, I think especially, you know, 21st century American Christians have a really hard time with that. Why is that? Yeah, I I think because our hearts want comfort. I mean, I don't know an, an easier way to say it. So we we don't like it. Like we want Well, and don't you think we live in like the most like accommodating yes. comfort-driven culture? I mean, we are inundated with the idea you know, subliminally, consciously, that we should be comfortable, that we should have whatever amenities that we want, that that the good life is the life devoid of suffering. Right. Um, and, and you know, you talked about the American dream a little bit. Again, we love America. <laughs> we're for it. <laughs> but some of the ideals that we're, we're kind of formed and shaped by, you know, is, hey, go get a college degree, go get a good job, you know, find a place outside of, you know, quote unquote, the bad neighborhoods, find a good neighborhood, a safe neighborhood to live in, a comfortable house, you know, make sure it has all the amenities, get yourself at least, you know, at least two, and two and a half cars, kids, a dog, a cat. Right. And yeah. it's all about like the goal ultimately is to get as safe and secure and as comfortable as we can. And not all those things are bad things, but when that's the goal of life that you've been fed and your religion or your faith, forgive me, your faith uh, kind of comes into intersects with that, you know, usually you're going to choose comfort. Or you're going to accommodate your religion right. or your faith um, in such a way that you're basically believing that you can have your cake and eat it too, right. that you can actually follow Jesus but avoid these really inconvenient teachings that he's giving us that the the flourishing life, the life of a disciple, actually necessarily always involves trials. Well, and and that's some of what even I meant this week when I was talking about the fragmented life versus the whole life for Jesus. The fragmented life can say, hey, I can do all these things, have the things I want, and leave this little place for Jesus in my life and feel feel like I've got my 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 relationship with God, where the whole life for Jesus is not, I get it all. It's all mine. And that's going to mean some things for how you live and for what you face in this life. So, Brett, why would we, when when the idea is out there that we can have both, we can have our eternal security, 
right? We can, we can have our salvation, but we can also have, you know, the, the, the upper middle class lifestyle, right? With all of its amenities. And, and ultimately we can live a life where we're pursuing, we know that ultimately we can't avoid all suffering, right? But we can live a life pursuing the avoidance of suffering. Why would we choose this life that Jesus is talking about? Well, over that when we're being sold that. Yeah. Well, I, I, two things quickly come to mind. One is I don't think the other one is actually the life that Jesus says makes you his disciple. Like what he says is if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. Like, like it's, it's denying the, 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 the heart of discipleship or at least the, the start of discipleship is self-denial. And so it can't be, let me have everything myself wants and I get my Jesus too, because that's, uh, that's the opposite of discipleship. But the other thing is that he says it's, it's actually the good life. Like this is the life that you actually want. The life that you're longing for underneath these superficial comforts. This is where real satisfaction, you know, hunger and thirst for righteousness and you will be filled or satisfied this is actually where satisfaction is found so those would be the two things i would say we have such a hard time believing that though right that that jesus can actually meet us at those deep places of longing and satisfy us more than the things that we think can right those idols of comfort and security and whatever money um money, sex, power, whatever. We think those things can actually satisfy us. We think they can actually secure us. And Jesus is going, no, I'll meet your needs. And we're going to see that later in the sermon, right? Yeah. Where he starts dealing with things like anxiety. Yeah. The truth is, like, if we're reflective, we go, how is that pursuit of the American dream or, you know, the upper middle class lifestyle, whatever, however you want to fill in the blank, how, how is that actually dealing with your deep anxieties right right uh, do you do you feel secure yeah and and i think before we kind of get into more of the persecution suffering piece i think it's important to go what we're not saying is that every christian's like the life of jesus means taking a vow of poverty because that's also an unbiblical reality right what we are saying is that uh what the rich and ruler was faced with right go sell all your possessions and follow me he he left despondent he left discouraged because he had many possessions right like his stuff had become well and ultimately what he was looking to jesus for was hey what's the one thing i can tack on right to my already right self-righteous life to give me a sense of security right and he was searching for eternal security what's the one thing i lack in doing that's the key thing right what must i do um, to secure myself, to give myself that confidence that I know I'm okay with God. Yeah. And Jesus targets his heart idol. Yes. And he says, hey, man, you got to love me most. And he was unwilling. And that, that kind of hits us where we are. Yeah, we are not, we're not against uh, a suburban <laughs> living, right? We're not against, we're not saying. We both that, have homes. Yes. That are pretty like, comfortable. Uh, very much so. I mean, we're speaking right. to ourselves, which is why this punch is so hard. Right. And that's kind of where I want to press in a little bit. So Jesus literally says in in kind of his opening 
to this greatest sermon ever, that you're blessed when you're persecuted. And he seems to be saying that the way of the kingdom involves persecution. And, and then he pivots. You know, he doesn't just say persecuted for righteousness sake, but he says um, because of me. Right. Verse 11, you're blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Um, be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus seems to be saying that the disciples' life involves persecution. Yes. Help us with that because, again, we, we live you know, and arguably the greatest nation yeah. that's ever existed. And one of the reasons why it's so great is because of religious freedom and individual uh -huh. freedoms that were afforded. Um, I was having this conversation with my son the other day. Um, the United States has plenty of problems. Right. We're super fortunate to live here. Yeah. Because of because of those individual freedoms, and so, you know, we we live in a country where we have religious freedom, and so this can feel really foreign to us. Jesus is saying, "Hey, disciples are going to face persecution. You're gonna you're gonna suffer in various ways for my name's sake," and yet we find ourselves living in a nation where, by and large, we can believe what we want and we can practice our religion how we want, as long as it doesn't involve violence to someone else. Or terrorism yeah. uh so how do we reconcile that like how do we deal with that as 21st century american christians yeah well i think there's there's a right way and a wrong way to deal with it i think the wrong way is to say i've got to go seek out persecution and usually that means i gotta start living like a jerk mm -hmm. and posting things on social media that uh that are themselves insults and slanderous to other people. Yep. Uh, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean stirring up my neighbor to wrath because I'm, I'm Bible thumping him every single day of the week, telling him how he's a sinner. Uh, but it does mean that if you truly try to live this whole person life in allegiance to Jesus, a person of mercy, a person of purity of heart, which purity of heart is all-encompassing, so it means that you're going to say no to a lot of things in this life to say yes to Jesus. Not in a list kind of way, but in a way that like, G this is not the way of Jesus. Um, and then peacemaking, of course, necessitates that you're going to be dealing with some of the brokenness of the world, and you're going to be stepping into that, some of the brokenness of relationship, and trying to be a person of peace and address uh, wrongs in our world. And so as you do those things, as we seek to be faithful to Jesus, Jesus is saying, I think, in all the Gospels and here, that you will find yourself bumping up against the, the things of this world, the enemy who is working against you, um, and that will lead to, at times, insult, slander, and persecution. So what can this look like? This can look like simple things like, hey, at like right now, if we're being honest, if I say, hey, I really believe a fundamental fundamental biblical reality is that God creates us men and women. He creates us men and women in an inter non-interchangeable way. Like that's, that's a good thing. God's created order is good. 
And so when we bump up against the conversation around transgender transgenderism in our world, and we say things like that, immediately you can be called a bigot, you can be called um, hateful, all those things. Even if you're not saying that in a way, even if you're not posting online, you're just saying this is this is really what I believe is biblical, and I believe it's the way of flourishing uh, to live in this way. So that's just it's not seeking out persecution by being a jerk. It is being faithful to Jesus in a way that the world is eventually going to bump up against, and it's going to lead to these kind of things. Yeah, like ultimately, if you just can't follow Jesus and it not get you into trouble at some point. Right. If you're really following the real Jesus. Right. Right. Um, that doesn't mean we go seeking that trouble out. No. So let's press in a little further. Like we need wisdom here, right? About yeah. like that doesn't mean we have to use social media to lambast right. those we disagree with. That also means, though, that we, we can't ultimately be silent yeah. When peacemaking calls for us to speak up mm-hmm. for the oppressed. Um or when righteousness calls us to stare down being insulted. Yeah. For you know, for its sake. Um we need wisdom there in when to speak and how to speak and what to speak. And I think we struggle with that a lot. Yeah, because we sort of lambast the other side, and so much of this ends up getting politicized. I mean, that, that's to me one of the bigger struggles in our context right. is a lot of these conversations have been co-opted by political platforms. Um, you know, we live in, and I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing from Carl Truman here. So, the rise and triumph of the modern self. Yeah, really helpful book. Uh, but he he shows kind of how historically our sexuality has been politicized and not only politicized, but how we've been told, I mean, really Sigmund Freud did this. And even though we ultimately don't follow most of Freud's teaching, this stuck this idea that ultimately who we are truly is sexual, that our identity is bound up in this um, suppressed held down sexual identity. Um, and we need to let that out. Yeah. You know, and then that gets politicized. And so to tell somebody that they can't be who they are ultimately because they have these feelings is to, is to oppress them, you know? Yeah. And, and so we're living in this moment culturally, politically, where so much of these conversations have been co-opted. Yeah. And so we need wisdom for how to engage but ultimately, we're called to follow Jesus, is what you're saying, right. that our, our bodies are not our own, um, and we need to hear God's word is good news and the path of flourishing that Jesus invites us into, and that's not just gender and sexuality. Right, that's what I was going to say, yeah. You know, there, there are other issues as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's important just to point out that I do think if you're going to be faithful to Jesus in 21st century America, you will face this from both what might be considered the left and might what might be considered the right. So, and and I'm not I'm not trying to politicalize that in that way, but even in a even in a religious connotation, a theological connotation, you if you really try to be faithful to Jesus, you probably will get hit on both sides. Well, yeah. I mean, what does peacemaking look like for immigrants? Yeah. 
or even just the issues of race, right? We've had this conversation before. Like if, you know, if I, if I say things about gender and sexuality, like we've already said, then um, there are certain groups that go, that's hateful. And if you go, hey, also racism is real, there are certain groups that would go, what are you talking about? And so, but I think to be faithful to Jesus, we have to be faithful to Scripture. And Scripture addresses both those. Speak up for the oppressed. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. And, and, and so uh, it's not an easy path but it is the path of flourishing because as we do that, God is making more of our heart his. I think one of the things that's helpful in, in this conversation too is Jesus is, yes, talking about flourishing for us as individuals. Jesus is also painting a picture right. of, the, of the way of a f- experiencing God's flourishing corporately. Right. You know, a kingdom that's coming, a kingdom that's here and is coming. And when we live into this kind of a life, it leads to a flourishing society. It leads to it leads to the kind of place and people that experience God's blessing, his rule and his reign. And so we we you know, as we are living as peacemakers. Yeah. And living as merciful people, there's an element of personal suffering that comes with that, but that leads to a flourishing society. Yeah. Um, and so we're willing to to step into that for the good of my brother. And we look no further than Jesus, who gave his life for us. Um, and well, so if we get too individualistic here, we can lose sight of what Jesus is doing as well. It certainly is true that it leads to flourishing individual lives, but it's also true that Jesus is inviting us to live in a way in the world that leads to a better world. Yeah, and that is a part of his kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. Like as I think you said this week one, as the rule and reign of Christ becomes more true in our own lives, uh, we bring that reality into the world as we live this. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's redemptive. And it's redeeming to our neighborhoods, to our communities, but that redemption, that redeeming reality, will will go will be at war with the things of this world. The kingdom of man and the kingdom of God, yeah, are intention. Yeah, right? that you know, there's friction there, and we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, living among the kingdom of man, mm-hmm. um, and there's a war for our allegiance. And we're called to live in faithfulness of Jesus. And I just, I think it's helpful here that in verse 12, Jesus says, hey, you're in good company. If you feel the tension, if you're facing maligning and insult and experiencing persecution, hey man, read the Bible. Mm -hmm. This is what they did to all the prophets. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it led to the Son of God being crucified on a cross. Um, so you stand in good company if you if you feel some of that. And again, we need wisdom to discern what's what's me just being an idiot, and and what's me experiencing the sufferings of Christ. Um, yeah, and I think to kind of maybe bring it back full circle to where we started. You know, I think you're right to go, and that's one of the things I I potentially left more on the chopping block than I should have. That that the reality is is God is both making us whole individually. He's making the church whole, corporately, and he's ultimately making creation whole. Mm. 
Uh, he's going to redeem all of creation. And if we we miss out on that reality and, and how that reality sustains us through trials and sufferings and persecution, if the goal in life is comfort and ease and happy circumstances, if the goal, if we know the goal is to make us whole, to make the, his people whole and make ultimately creation whole, then then that gives us a vision of life to, that sustains us. We, w- In other words, maybe a, a different way of saying what you just said is we have to keep, you know, this eschatological, right. this future-looking, forward-looking um, reality in front of us. If we become too short-sighted, we'll struggle to live this beatitudinal life. We'll right. struggle to follow Jesus. We... We, we keep in mind, like, we're participants in a kingdom that's here and is coming, and we're really working backwards the future into the present. Amen. Um, and, and what's exciting about that is when, when we, in the power of the Holy Spirit, follow Jesus into this life, we're participants in that future coming reality, and God is actually using our lives in ways that count for eternity. Yeah. You know, Paul talks about in Corinthians how um, your life could ultimately be saved. You believed in Jesus, but like all of the work of your life could be consumed because it was just, it was fleeting. It was focused only on the on the temporary, on the here and now. Right. Or you can build on a foundation, the foundation of Christ and the apostles, where you live your life in such a way that it lasts for eternity. Amen. Jesus is inviting us into a life that lasts for eternity where the things that we do matter. Yeah. And I want I want I want my life to count. Me too. I mean, what joy there will be for us to come man like in ways that we can't imagine, like mysterious, like unseen unseen ways. <laughs> ways we don't even know where in eternity we get to look and go, man, like I mean, it was all Jesus. Right. It, was, it was it was all the work of the Holy Spirit, but like that's that's my paint brush stroke right there like yeah. i got to be i got to be a participant in, in the painting so i think the the two pastoral words maybe to close on are one if if you find yourself suffering right now if you find yourself I mean, actually like you feel like maybe at work or in your family or whatever it might be you feel persecution because you're trying to be faithful to jesus or if you're a part of the global persecuted church take heart that's good. you're a part of a kingdom that's already but not yet and the Beatitudes are promises. And They're Jesus is never nearer than in these moments. Yeah. These are promises. He will do these things. And then I think to the other side, if you find yourself, maybe just if you evaluate your life, you're like, man, I, I have never faced a second of what these guys are describing, What, and more importantly, what Jesus is describing here. Uh, insult, slander, persecution, for the name of Jesus for righteousness. It's not, this is not like, hey, let's go woe is me and, and, and feel bad about yourself. This is evaluate where, where am I, where maybe am I actually pursuing a different kingdom than the kingdom of Jesus? Yep. Or compromising my faith. But if I'm honest, I know. Right. Uh, it's a compromise of my faith because I'm, I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. I'm trying to, have Jesus, but also the things of this world, whether that's acceptance or comfort or whatever it is, Jesus is going, man, I'll meet you there. Yeah. And, and 
remember this to close on. The Beatitudes are not a ladder. They're not a ladder. You just climb up the rungs, and once you get there, you're like, I'm good. Uh, more often, they're a cycle. And so this brings you back to poorness in spirit. Like, if you find that way, like, see your brokenness rightly and and cry out to Jesus. That's what we do on a daily basis. We're reminded again of our own brokenness, our own need for him, and we cry out to him. Amen. Well, thanks, Brett, for a faithful sermon and for helping us dig deeper. And we'll see you next week on the chopping block. All right. If you want to find out more about City Life Church or have any questions about the kinds of things we talked about today, you can head over to citylifechurch.org and fill out a digital connect card. We'd love to reach out and stay in touch with you. Thanks for listening.